Hi, welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that truly is a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Julie Webb. Here we are again in season two, our second episode. Actually, we're calling it episode 14 because we're going to keep uh, those numbers moving up with each episode. But we're in season two and uh, folks around here are kind of launching their new school year. And I'm excited to help support you through that uh, with some great teaching ideas on Litcentric Radio. Today's episode is sponsored by my program, Sound Along Alphabet. Now, this is a supplementary phonological awareness program that helps emergent readers sing their way from letters to words. I designed this program because I had so many students, um, especially when I taught kindergarten and some intervention groups, so many of my students, they weren't quite ready for even some of the um, phonemic awareness and phonics programs that our district was asking us to use. And I needed a way to better differentiate for them and start where my students really were. And for some of those kiddos, they really had almost no print knowledge to speak of, couldn't identify their names yet, didn't know any letters or sounds. Um, And so we're really starting from the very beginning. So I designed the Sound Along Alphabet program to support all my students, no matter where they were along that developmental spectrum. Sound Along Alphabet offers students opportunities to practice letters and sounds, identifying beginning, middle, and final sounds in in familiar words, identifying and producing rhymes. And we do that through a small group activities as well as a daily whole group activity. Now, the daily whole group activity uh, highly features the Sound Along Alphabet song. And this song is a really fun and memorable way for students to actually learn their letters and sounds, mostly focusing on the sounds. So if you think about the alphabet song that we all sing, uh, that's just focused on the names of the letters, which is great. And, And for some of our kids, they come to school knowing that song. And even if my students didn't know that song or did, they certainly didn't know all their letters and sounds. And so the Sound Along Alphabet program teaches them a new alphabet song that combines um, all of those different sounds, again, with pictures and reinforcements of familiar language to all of our students, in particular with an eye for our English learners who maybe lack, um, you know, some of the basic vocabulary that some of our English-only students have. Now in the small groups, we're differentiating in Sound Along Alphabet based on the readiness uh, levels that our students show. And I designed a Sound Along Alphabet uh, readiness table so I can do observations of my students in class and quickly determine what developmental stage they're in and then group them based on that stage. And in the program, students work through different phases so they can enter in at a particular phase. Not every student starts at the very beginning of the program because some students have a few more skills under their belt. So students start the program where they truly are and move on from there. And in these small groups, students do matching and sorting activities. We build words together. We do some writing uh, together to work on those letters and sounds. And eventually, in the final phase, phase six of the program, students are are working fluently with CVC words. And then they can move on to the Sound Along Phonics program, which is kind of the counterpart to the alphabet program. Now, I'm going to provide you with the Sound Along Alphabet Readiness Table free. And so what I'd like you to do is uh, go on and log on to litcentric.com. 
in the shop tab. That will take you to a page that has uh, the eccentric radio lessons and courses and things like that. There's a tab on there for products and the sound along products live in that tab. And if you go to the alphabet one, you'll see um, some opportunities to download some free resources and several videos that further explain the program and actually demonstrate in action what it looks like when students work with the materials. And the readiness table is available for immediate download. And then you can use that to see where your students fall and what type of supports they might need developmentally, whether they're in kindergarten, maybe pre-K or TK, sometimes even our first graders, and definitely in intervention RTI situations. It's a way to support all students by truly understanding where they're beginning and where we can take them next. In today's episode of Let's Centric Radio, we're going to take a look at describing emotions in personal narratives. And we're going to use the text on Monday when it rained. Now, I was introduced to this text many years ago by a writing coach and dear friend, and I was so excited about it because the photographs in it are so realistic of this little boy. He's the cutest little guy. And it does such a great job of providing really clear depictions of a full range of emotions. And I love to use it to um, kind of reinforce the social emotional learning discussions and class meetings and things that we have with our kiddos and to expand the vocabulary of my students. Instead of saying everyone is happy or everyone is mad, this uh, book has a much fuller range of words that we can start to build on um, throughout the year. This book is also great uh, because when we ask students to, you know, add more details to their writing, we need to be a little bit more specific about that. One of the ways we can do that to support, you know, personal narrative and fictional writing is to um, help students label the um, emotions that their characters are feeling or the people in their story are feeling and then teach them to show how those actions and the dialogue match those emotions. And so On Monday When It Rained is a great book to kick off that type of work. Let's take a look at today's text on Monday when it rained. On Monday when it rained, my mother said I couldn't play outside. I wanted to ride my new red bike with the blue horn to my friend Maggie's house. I was, and then we turn the page and we see the word disappointed. And the little boy's face is actually the same uh, photograph that they use on the cover. And it's a wonderful, wonderful depiction of the word disappointed. That's a really hard word or hard emotion to depict. And they did a great job in this book. Have you joined Litcentric's email list yet? Last week, I gave my subscribers the enemy pie lesson from episode 13 absolutely free. I gave them the text dependent questions that go with the book for free, uh, the image of the bridge chart that I create, and the writing task to go along with the whole lesson. You want in? Become a Lycentric Insider by clicking the link on my homepage at Lycentric.com. Every once in a while, there'll be some freebies there for you too. And I'll let you know when the next episode of Lycentric Radio is set to drop. On Monday When It Rained is definitely a text I would use with younger students. Um, but really, for some of my students, maybe in, you know, kind of upper elementary, if we're um, maybe new to the country or um, absolutely beginning English for the first time, these images alone can be really helpful, even if you don't pair it with the text so much, you really use it just as kind of a springboard for other ideas. The images are really great. And because they're black and white photographs, it's actually really easy to scan them or copy them and, and use them kind of in different manipulative ways, you know, using them to sort things or in the pocket chart or, 
or, um, you know, as part of student work. So it's a very flexible book, even though um, it's a young child in the pictures, his expressions are really what matter and the vocabulary and concepts we can build are really what matter. So for the bridge chart for this, uh, for this lesson, it's a pretty simple one and it really actually requires a lot of input from students. I think the most important part on the chart, actually really of any chart, is um, the input from the class and those discussions because for a chart to be truly effective, students have to see what they say. It needs to be represented there and they need to feel that connection to the material that we're generating. So this is a really simple three column chart. The first column is photos actually from the text. So um, there are eight different ones. And as we know, it's designed um, you know, the seven days of the week and then the final one about wonder. So that gives us eight. And I just put those down along the first column. And as I said, if you photocopy them or scan them, you can even shrink them down. Um, they're really just for reference. So they don't need to be quite as big as they are in the book, but they're not so big to begin with. So it's really pretty flexible. The second column, I label feeling. You can also label it emotion or use both those words perfectly fine. Depends on kind of uh, where your students are with understanding those words, what vocabulary you're going to include on the chart. And uh, next to each of those images, uh, I walk through students through the book again, and we, we see what the author has labeled those. So the first one being disappointed. Oh, what does disappointed look like? Let's see, what was the story behind why he felt that way? Let's label that word disappointed. So we're going to talk through each of those things. You can do that where you go through each photo and each feeling and even stop there for the day because sometimes that's enough. Or you can do it a different way where you incorporate the third column also on the same day. So you do, um, we talk about the photo, we label the feeling based on what the book tells us. And the last column, that third one is an example. And this is where I want students to help generate just a little personal narrative real quick, kind of like the book does. It reads very much like a personal narrative. And it's only maybe, you know, two or three lines long, and that's enough to set up the feeling. So that's what we want to do with students to get them to generate a time when they felt disappointed and what led to that, that emotion. So if you're going to do it that way, um, it's definitely going to be a longer lesson, a longer time kind of sitting on the rug together, which is totally fine. Um, and I actually do recommend kind of doing it that way for the most part. Do the photo first identify that feeling word, and then have students turn to one another and share times maybe when they had that feeling. And get a few kids to share out um, a little bit about uh, that story that led up to the feeling. And if they don't um, if they don't describe it really effectively enough, you may have to help provide you know some of the vocabulary and academic language to get this, the kind of personal narrative sentences together. You also may want to have um, a story of your own as a backup for each of these, because sometimes, um, like ones like embarrassed, students may even understand what that means, but sometimes they don't want to talk about a time they were embarrassed because that in itself makes them feel embarrassed. So uh, you may want to have a couple up your sleeve, um, especially ones maybe when you were a kid and things that happened to you because it's so relatable and it makes students realize that we all have those feelings. And actually, it makes their characters much more dynamic when they include those things in text. If you log on to Letcentric.com and um, head over to uh, the shop tab and uh, the Letcentric radio lessons, you'll see uh, the growing lesson bundle that we have that represents every single um, text and that we feature in the episodes. And uh, you'll see there for this text, we've got six text-dependent questions today to lead some of your discussion through the book. We've got a photo of an actual uh, bridge chart. 
and a writing task that students do uh, once they've completed that bridge chart with you and um, to help them start to apply the concept that you're uh, describing. Now, another thing you could do beyond that lesson is um, a couple of little bonus ideas. One is it's really fun um, during the reading of this to ask students to help you um, kind of label or predict what the emotion word is going to be when you read the book. Because um, since the authors laid it out where they describe the scenario and then he says, I felt or I was, and then uh, you don't realize the the picture and the emotion label until you turn the page. So it's a great opportunity to have students pause and make a prediction and try to see, um, you know, what feeling or emotion words they come up with. If you do that, you should pay close attention to the ones that maybe they overuse, like happy, sad, mad. Those are the three that my students used constantly. And see maybe which students come up with some other words. Whether they're correct or not really isn't the point of this activity, at least for the teacher. It's really to see what emotional vocabulary do our students have. So I have students who may, they would describe the emotion as happy, and another student would say satisfied. And so you can tell the difference between the vocabulary structures that our students have and what they have access to in their schema. That gives you a good clue as to when you build a bridge chart with them, maybe the areas where they're going to need some additional support and maybe where your stories and your personal narratives are going to be the most helpful to them. I would also maybe turn this into a center activity maybe the following week where you, um, like I said, you can scan or photocopy um, the pictures in this book, I actually did that and put them on cardstock and laminated them because I use them quite a bit during the year and just label them on the back or on the bottom what the um, what the emotion word is. But you can have students, you can create like a matching center for them, um, you know, disappointed, uh, the disappointed word that goes with the disappointed picture. Um, you can also even add in some additional emotional language um, some You could do a synonym, antonym kind of an activity, and you can do kind of a shades of meaning activity or even just, you know, additional synonyms like, you know, I was disappointed. Maybe another word could be frustrated, let down, you know, you could add other phrases in there just to expand the vocabulary a bit and let them play with that language. And then you could even um, create a bridge chart based on those materials and have students refer to that during the year as they're building their personal and fictional narratives. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I'm so glad you're here. We've got so many new listeners for season two and the new school you're starting out. Please share Let Centric Radio uh, with your friends, with your teacher buddies, so we can support one another. And we'll see you next time. Have a great day at school.